As our, there we are, as our wiggly worshipers are dismissed this morning, and the rest of our wiggly worshipers grab a cup of coffee maybe, welcome to you, and thank you for coming on Memorial Day. Colonel Jim Edmondson, thank you so much this morning for your presentation, for that history, and for giving us perspective. We desperately need perspective in our day, and I appreciate that. And if you got cheated in history class, go back and do some study on your own, okay? Because that is the true history of Memorial Day and what it means to be an American. We know so little about sacrifice in our day. We are uh, those who enjoy freedom, but we often take it for granted and I come from the generation that did not have to serve in a draft. I came along right after Vietnam, at least of age, and, but I knew people who did serve in Vietnam. And of course, I've known people who served uh, throughout uh, my lifetime and uh, also remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life for our freedom. So we thank God, don't we? We should. And if you haven't had that perspective, I hope that you will uh, learn from that and that we will be more thankful people. What an appropriate song to end on this morning. God is good, isn't he? He's good to us all the time, and he's put us in a great country. We could have been born somewhere else. I often think of that. I've uh, visited other places and always did two things when I got back home. I thanked the Lord and I kissed the green grass because there's no place like America. If you haven't traveled, you may not know that. If you have, you do know that. And so we thank God for his blessings on our nation. I, I, um, if you, I know it's a, a, a serious day and a sacred day, but let me transition a little bit here. Um, Colonel Edmondson didn't have a ride this morning, so I recruited Gary Mayer to go and bring him. And aren't they distinguished men this morning in their uniforms? Thank you for doing that. They were very quick to remind me, and I know this, that this is not Veterans Day. We often mix the two. That's in November, okay? And we do appreciate those who have served, but today we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. But I had to tell them this story. One time, Billy Graham was riding with his chauffeur. Gary was Colonel Edmondson's chauffeur this morning. And uh, Billy Graham said, Dr. Graham said, you know what? You drive all the time. How about letting me drive for once? So they switched places. The chauffeur got in the back of the limousine and Dr. Graham got under the wheel. Well, not having been under the wheel for a while, he got to going a little bit too fast. So he was pulled over by a policeman and uh, the policeman went to the door. And when the, when the window rolled down, he was so taken back because he knew Dr. Graham that he didn't know what to say. He said, I'll be right back. So he went back and he radioed in to his uh, superior and he said, uh, boss, we got something really big here. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't know who's in the limousine, but Billy Graham is his chauffeur. <laughs> so I had to tell that story to these guys. I thought Colonel Edmondson had a very distinguished chauffeur this morning. So thanks to both of you guys. We appreciate both of you. Well... We want to pray for our nation, don't we? Thank you for praying this morning. We want to remember. We want to pray. And boy, do we need prayer. 
Which brings us to a question for Memorial Day. And here's the question. Is there any hope for a nation with corrupt leaders? Well, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, told us to pray for our leaders. I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll just read this for you this morning. You can listen. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's a command. For kings, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is, a, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, sometimes it's difficult for us to pray for leaders that we don't agree with, isn't it? Very difficult. But God commands us to do that. He commands us to pray for um, His will to be done in our nation and the lives of those who serve us. There are many who claim to believe in Jesus Christ who serve uh, in, in our Congress, and we're thankful for them, and we ought to pray for them every day. There are others that we doubt even though they may claim to know the Lord Jesus, because of their actions, we should pray for them for the sake of our nation. And uh, so I encourage you to do that while you're thinking about uh, Memorial Day for the sacrifice that others gave so that we could live in freedom. And we should pray for our leaders, whether we agree or not. Amen? Amen. So, is there hope for a nation with corrupt leaders, well, we look through history and we see that there is, that God overcame evil and he brought something for his glory out of it. And he will, as he continues to move this world along in his plan, do not despair, do not get short-sighted and think, because of what I see now, what in the world is God doing? Is he even involved? Yes, he's involved, and I assure you he keeps all the scores and he will bring his will to pass. And he will deal with those who seem to go unscathed while committing evil acts. So that's God's perspective. Now with that in mind, I want you to join me in Luke this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And uh, you can follow along in your Bible or on your... Um, device, whatever you'd like to do, or uh, as I'm doing this morning, let's open the sacred book together, and I'm going to let the guys follow along as I read from my Bible this morning, from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. 
Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And I'll stop there for a moment. Well, I want to ask you, I have a lot of questions this morning. You know, Jesus often asked questions to prove points as he taught and as he dealt with others. So I'm just full of questions today. But I hope it helps you think about some things. So um, I know the answers to the questions if I ask them, by the way. But I want you to, to deal with them a little bit. Is there hope for a nation with corrupt leaders? Yes, there is when there is repentance. When leaders recognize the wrong of their way before God and come to him in repentance, there is hope. There's hope for the nation, but there's also hope for the leader. So as we look at the story of Zacchaeus this morning, part of you are saying, I remember this story. And part of you are probably saying, I never heard this in my life. So here, here's a question to begin. How many of you grew up in church? Raise your hand up. And again, this is one of those times when you can look around and get a perspective. Keep, keep them up for a minute. Okay, not everyone did. And let me say to those of you who are in your 20s, maybe 30 and younger, you're becoming the exception in our day rather than uh, the day that I grew up in when almost everyone I knew growing up in the South went to church at some time, most went on a regular basis, most went every week, and people had a respect for the Word of God and an understanding for the Word of God. And so as a child, I was taught the Word of God, and I was taught Bible stories like Zacchaeus. Now I'm going to see if you remember this. Anybody remember the little song that went along with Zacchaeus? Okay, some of you do. So, somebody want to lead us in the song that went along with Zacchaeus? Okay, let me see how I can do, there, do here, but I'm, I'm not going to sing. I'm, I'm going to recite the words. But if anybody wants to join in, go ahead. Zacchaeus was what? Carl, are you leading us? Okay. <laughs> well, if you'll join me, we'll try it, okay? But don't make me do a solo. Zacchaeus was a wheat. You know the, you know the, the science? Let me start over, sorry. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, the finger, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Or I'm going to your house to stay or today. Okay. Well, some of you know the song, so I'm not the only one. I am telling my age, probably. But I can remember, and aren't you glad that somebody was creative enough to come up with songs like that to help us remember a truth, just like the songs we sing today. There are people who are writing songs that are full of truth so that we can remember and apply the truth to our lives. And repetition helps us remember uh, those, those stories and those points. And by the way, they're true stories. They're not just made-up stories. They're something that people have put together to help us remember great 
truths. Hello. So, if you grew up in church and uh, you remember that song, I'm going to see how much you remember about Zacchaeus, okay? First, what, what is um, the first thing that we know about Zacchaeus? Well, he was a small man, wasn't he? The, the text is very clear that he was a small stature. He was a small man. Well, back to my country roots, it's all right to be a little bitty, right? And I tell people who, uh, and I won't call any names this morning, but there are people who are in graduate school that people ask them how old they are and they say, are you out of high school or are you in college yet? And I tell people all the time, one day that will be to your advantage. Right now it irritates you, but, but it's okay to be little. So we remember that Zacchaeus was little. Now sometimes that's an advantage. Who remembers Muggsy Bogues? Anybody remember? Oh, about four people. Okay, well let me tell you the story. I know Ed knows him. <laughs> Muggsy Bogues. He was five feet three inches tall, but he, his jersey was retired at Wake Forest University because of his skill on the basketball court. Let me give you a few stats. Born in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he played with Michael Jordan. My, everybody know who Michael Jordan is? Well, about half of you do now, right? But uh, Michael Jordan used to make fun of Muggsy Bogues because Muggsy was so small. But Muggsy made Michael Jordan look foolish because he was so fast. And as he went through, yes, at five foot three, he played in the NBA. Here were his stats. 1,379 steals, 6,729 assists, 6,858 points, and he was uh, all-time 16th, I believe, in, in, uh, in either assists or I think it was assists. So he was uh, a great basketball player, but he was little. Now, could he dunk the ball? No. Actually, as a kid, he used to practice dunking, but he used uh, a milk crate so he could get up high enough. But there's nothing wrong with being little. In fact, sometimes it has an advantage. Something else we remember about Zacchaeus, because he was so small, what did he do? He climbed a tree. We all know that. The text says he climbed a sycamore tree. Now, it wasn't like the sycamore trees that we have that grow along the river, which are huge. This was probably some kind of a fig tree. It, it was just big enough to give Zacchaeus enough advantage that he could get above everybody else and, uh, and see uh, who was coming through town that day. But here's something you may not think about. The text tells us he was... If my clicker will move here, help me guys. He was a small man, but he was a rich man. The text says that he was rich. As a matter of fact, he was filthy rich. What does that mean? He got his wealth by illegal means. Now to him, he probably thought that he, was, uh, he had the right to do what he did for a living. And I'll tell you a little bit 
more about that in a minute. Now, is there anything wrong with being rich? Absolutely not. Scripture does not teach that. It's not money that corrupts. It's what? The love of money. It's uh, the heart and the, the love of money above all else. But, and I'll say this, some of the most godly people I have ever met are very wealthy people. But they know where it came from, and they're very careful and very conscientious to use it for the Lord's work because they've been blessed by Him, and they know that. So there's nothing wrong with being rich. We live in a day where if you're rich, you must be wrong. Well, that's not necessarily true, but you could be. And Zacchaeus was. As a matter of fact, he was criminally rich. Let me explain. He used his position and his power to extort money out of working people. You say, how so? Well, he was the chief tax collector or the equivalent to the IRS in our day. Now, there are laws, and the IRS is supposed to abide by the laws, and if you have a problem with the laws, we go where? We ought to go to Congress. So if the laws need to be changed, we need to put uh, the blame where it belongs. But equal to our modern-day IRS, he was the, uh, the commissioner of customs in his city. That meant that he collected taxes, but it also meant that he had the right to arbitrarily decide how much tax people should pay. So, as money does, and by the way, what's, what's the saying? Uh, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's Lord Acton, by the way a British writer who first said that a long time ago in reaction to monarchy and total control in his nation, which our nation was founded against that kind of total control. And I won't go into more history there, but you can uh, look at the three branches of government and how they're supposed to offset each other. So history lesson today, a little bit. But here was a man who basically answered to no one, or so he thought. He thought he answered to himself. Now, there were guidelines, and I'm sure there were laws, but he was in a position to make decisions, and apparently, as he made those decisions, he was mostly thinking of himself. Now, when leaders get in that position, we're in trouble. When leaders start thinking of themselves more than the people they represent, we are in trouble, as they were in the day that Zacchaeus served as the commissioner of customs. Well, by the way, there was once a day when there was one commissioner. Now there are tens of thousands, right? Hopefully that's going to get corrected because we don't need our own personal IRS agent. That's my personal opinion. So he was criminally rich. He used his position to arbitrarily decide how much taxes people would pay. Here the conversation probably went something like this. It's tax day. Okay, Zacchaeus, how much do I owe? Well, how much you got? He knew that, that all the information of everyone and he used that to make his arbitrary decisions about who paid what. Not only was he 
wealthy at the expense of others. This is something we might not realize. He was a very lonely and empty man. Have you ever known people who were terribly rich, honestly rich, criminally rich, however they got rich, who were very lonely and empty people? Well, the truth is most of them probably are. Especially those who know that they got their riches by evil or illegal means. Because they know in the back of their minds that it's wrong and one day they will answer to God for their sin. That was Zacchaeus. Uh, He was very lonely in a crowd. He was a very empty person. So, a little background about Jericho and what happened that day. By the way, we're talking about ancient Jericho. There's a modern Jericho. Ancient Jericho has, has been destroyed. Uh, but we're told from history, again, that it was a beautiful city. And it was a strategic city. Herod's winter palace was there. Uh, it had a nice climate, maybe like Florida or uh, Southern California. You know, it was that constant climate, almost uh, nice uh, year-round. And so that's where Herod built his temple. As a result, it became a trade center. So lots of trade came through Jericho, imports and exports. So it's natural that this is where tax collectors would set up because, as we would say, they could tax coming and going. So as goods came in, they taxed, and as goods went out, they taxed. And here was Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, in the middle of this lucrative situation as he made decisions about who paid what. Well, I was in in Canada once. I went up to Canada on a bear hunt. I think I told you guys about this. And one of the guys that was helping me was wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers hat. This was a long time ago, about 25 years ago. I said, I like your your cap. He said, well, you should. It costs me a lot of money. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, with the time I paid the tax to get it across the border, this cap cost me $75. I'm not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I said, what a waste of money. Then I said, I wish you had told me I could have brought you on uh, with me much cheaper. Well, uh, I asked him if he'd ever heard of the Boston Tea Party. And he said that he had. If you got cheated about that one in history, you can go back and study it too. No taxation without representation. So here is a man in a lucrative situation fairly untouched, he thinks, by those around him that he was taken advantage of. But one day, he's going to meet someone who changes his life. Now, Jericho was a festive place. And when uh, someone came to town of, of uh, some uh, kind of notoriety, everyone wanted to see who was coming through town. Well, it happened this day that Uh, Luke is writing about, that Jesus came through Jericho. Now, let me tell you who was there that day. There was a motley crew, okay? There were priests. uh, There were pilgrims. There were traders. 
there were soldiers, there were robbers, including Zacchaeus, publicans, as they were called, uh, and that's what Zacchaeus was. He was a publican. And um, as, as Jesus came through town that day, there were all kinds of emotions that were going on. Now imagine this. Some people were really excited because they have heard, had heard of him. They were curious. Who is this prophet from Nazareth? Who is this man who claims to be Messiah? Who is this man who claims even to be God? So a lot of curiosity. And here, here all the people gathered around. Uh, some were curious. Some were very angry. You know why they were angry? Because there was a lot of injustice in their world. Like our world. People are angry at injustice. So they heard that Jesus was coming. And by and large the Jews expected Jesus to come and correct all the injustice. If he was going to be the king of the Jews... It was up to him to come and correct all this injustice that they saw in their lives every day, like the tax collectors and other things. So some people were very angry that day. Some were probably half convinced that Jesus must be somebody special. He must be somebody that uh, we can look to for whatever reason, for whatever their expectations were. I'm sure there were mothers holding up babies for a blessing from the prophet from Nazareth. So there were all kinds of things going on that day, all kinds of emotions, all kinds of expectations. But one person was really out of place. Zacchaeus. He was very lonely. There was no joy in his heart. He was very empty. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. And so you could say he felt very guilty as Jesus came that day. Now, when Jesus came to his town and everyone was there to see him, Zacchaeus, for some reason, was intrigued by the fact that Jesus was coming through Jericho. And so he couldn't see very well, so now you know the rest of the story. What did he do? Well, he, he got a little height advantage, climbed up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. Now, why did he want to see Jesus? Well, for the same reason some other people wanted to see him. Some people were curious. Some people uh, had a guilty conscience. Some people wanted to see this this king who was coming to correct injustice. So all kinds of things were going through people's minds as Jesus came through Jericho. Now remember this. This is at the height of his popularity. This is just a little while in the context of before he went through uh, Jerusalem and uh, at his highest and that people were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. So he said his height in popularity at this time if you go through the context of the gospels so everyone wanted to know who this man was which brings us to another question welcome to you who are joining us online today maybe you're watching this service years from now because uh, we do um, have these sermons available and they're archived so you may be watching this years from now but let me ask you this If you don't know Jesus, whether you're in the room or whether you're online or whether you're watching down the road, 
aren't you at least curious about who he is? Maybe you've heard this and you've heard that. Well, uh, don't believe uh, all of what they say. Don't believe any of what you hear and half of what you see. Well, you in this case can believe what you see because you can turn to the Word of God and this is the book that God wrote to tell us about Jesus and who he is. And this passage, there's no clearer passage about who Jesus is and what he came to do than this passage that is before us this morning. Because he's about to meet a man who had no hope. He's about to meet a man who probably deserved to go to prison if all the details were known about how he functioned. But there's hope for this man because his life is about to be changed. And your life can be changed just as his life was changed if you have an encounter with Jesus like Zacchaeus had. So what was that counter encounter like? Well, as Jesus came in to Jericho that day, Zacchaeus did something that no grown man would do except during deer season. He climbed a tree for a better vantage point. And as he climbed that tree and his eyes met the eyes of Jesus for the first time, he instantly knew something. And he said to himself, he sees me. He sees me. Now, Zacchaeus climbed that tree so he could see Jesus. What he didn't know is that Jesus already knew he would be in that tree. And if Zacchaeus was anxious to meet the prophet from Nazareth, he wasn't nearly as anxious to meet Jesus as Jesus was to meet Zacchaeus. Because that's who he is. He's the Savior. He's the one who searches the hearts of all men. He's the one who knows the hearts of all men. He's the one who desires to have a relationship with all men, women, boys, and girls. He's the one who came to make a way for us to come to God. And this is the beginning of the encounter with Zacchaeus. He, when their eyes met, he said to himself, He sees me. Out of all this crowd, Jesus sees me. By the way, he sees you and he sees me. See, he's God. He sees all people at one time. Hard for us to fathom, but that's the truth. He's our creator. He knows us. Not only does he see us, he knows all about us. And he knows, uh, as Zacchaeus saw, he knows me. Now, that means a lot of things. First of all, how do we know that Jesus knew Zacchaeus. Well, he called him by name. I appreciate the throwback to God is so good this morning. Made me think of another uh, course from years past. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. The truth that Zacchaeus realized that day is not only does he see me, but he knows me. And when Zacchaeus started down that road, he realized, as his eyes met Jesus, one writer said that a man that day became as a little child. Because 
as he made eye contact with Jesus and he realized not only does he see me, but he knows me, his heart began to melt within him. Because he knew that uh, he knew all of his life's activity. He knew all of his failures. He knew uh, all of his fears. He knew uh, all of his thoughts, all of his motives. And for a man who was involved in a business where he made arbitrary, maybe even borderline illegal, I'm sure he somehow he justified it, but he knew good and well that he was taking money that didn't belong to him because of his power. And so his heart began to melt within him. You know what that's called? Conviction. See, when, when we look at God... And we see his holiness, and then we look at ourselves, what do we see? Well, we see our sinfulness. We see that God alone is holy. We are not holy. We're the opposite of God. We are sinful. And when we compare ourselves to God, as Zacchaeus was doing this day, when Jesus came through his town, he realized, I am lost, I am undone, and I am going to face eternity someday with a holy God and I am not ready so as Jesus eyes met Zacchaeus he realized what we must realize if we're going to come to know Christ as our Savior and that is this I'm a sinner I'm in need of a touch from God I'm in need of salvation there's nothing I can do to overcome my sin but God has provided all that is necessary for the forgiveness of my sin and the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. So, he said he sees me, he knows me, but here's the amazing thing. Now, let me, let me put this in context. Did anybody love Zacchaeus? No. As a matter of fact, most people hated him. They hated him because of uh, his position, which sometimes that goes along with the job, and you do your job anyway. But they hated him because he took advantage of people. They hated him because he used his power to take advantage of people. He took his power and took advantage of hard-working people who worked hard for what they earned, and then arbitrarily it was taken from them by a man who was becoming very rich as a result of his actions. You know what? God hates that too. He hates that too. Ill-gotten gains. Sinful activity. Any sin God hates. Now, did he hate Zacchaeus? No, he didn't hate Zacchaeus. As a matter of fact, when Zacchaeus met eyes with Jesus, he realized he loves me. He loves me. Now, why was that significant to Zacchaeus? Because nobody had ever loved him. Now, we don't know all about his past. Maybe he had parents who loved him. Maybe he had somebody. But at this point in his life, if he looked around that crowd in his hometown, he could not find one person who would say, I love you, Zacchaeus. And if you're like that this morning, if you feel like no one loves you, I have good news for you. The same Jesus that loved Zacchaeus loves you. 
If no one else loves you, if you had to say, name one person who, who loves you, and you, you couldn't name one person who ever loved you, you can, you can be assured of this. Jesus loves you. And when Zacchaeus made eye contact with Jesus, he knew that. Not only did he see him, the relationship begins to grow. He knows me, and he loves me. In spite of who I am, he loves me. In spite of what I'm doing, he loves me. In spite of what I've done, of all my past. And by the way, it doesn't matter what your past is. It matters what your present is when you are face to face in an encounter with Jesus and he changes your life. The past is washed away. Watch. He sees me. He knows me. He loves me. And he saves me. So, that day, Zacchaeus was uh, intending to be a host, but he became a guest. Now, let me read the rest of the verses. Verse 7. Let me back up to 6. He made haste, he came down from the tree, and he received him joyfully. But when he saw it, they all complained... Who complained? Everybody complained. Jesus comes to our town, and who does he go to see? That stinking thief, Zacchaeus. Now, this is the way people really felt. Of all the people that, you know, would he go to a prominent priest's home? Would he go to some leader's home? Would he go uh, to uh, someone's home who was... Well loved. No, of all people, he goes home with Zacchaeus. They all complained. Then, there's, by the way, there's a period between uh, 7 and 8, I believe, that there was something that happened in Zacchaeus' life, and here's the summary. Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. And here's the golden text of the book of Luke. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now I believe that Zacchaeus was transformed that day. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. You know, we can look at people's lives and we can make all kinds of judgments, but who really makes the judgment? It's God. He knew that there had been a change in Zacchaeus' life. There had been a, a transaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. We don't know, uh, I'm sorry, Zacchaeus uh, and Nicodemus too. But between Jesus and Zacchaeus, there had been an exchange. We didn't get in on all the details, but we sure got the truth and the summary here. And as a result we find out why Jesus came to Jericho that day but more than that we found out why Jesus we find out why Jesus came to this earth to have an encounter with every one of us those who have lived 
those who are living, those who will live until Jesus comes. He came with a purpose, and here was his purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Was, was Zacchaeus lost? Well, absolutely. You know, we see his story. We have no problem seeing what his sin was. We have no problem seeing what his motives were. We have no problem seeing that, that Zacchaeus was a lost man. And so, in the context of Luke, if you go back just a few verses earlier in, in chapter 18, you can look at this later, he made an encounter with another man. He was known as the rich young ruler. Jesus came to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler asked him a question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, knowing the rich young ruler, said, first of all, you have to do away with all your riches. He said, there's no way I'm doing that. So as a result, he missed heaven because of his riches. He couldn't lay aside that which he loved more than God. Which is basically what the rich young ruler was saying. I love the things that I have more than I love an eternal relationship with God. So he refused and, and Jesus said he went away sad because he couldn't make that decision. However, we come to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus loved money. He loved money. He loved money so much that he was willing to do anything to get it. He was willing to cheat. He was willing to fudge. He was willing to stretch the guidelines because he wanted to be rich. He loved money. But the evidence in Zacchaeus' life that he had been changed is found uh, right here in this passage. He said, Lord... I am so sorry for my sin. I am so repentant that I am going to restore to everyone I have ever cheated fourfold. Now that's an evidence of the change that's in Zacchaeus' life. Now, he didn't do this in order to be saved. He didn't do this so that God somehow would look mercifully on him because he realized that the, my only hope is my relationship with Jesus in salvation. And so God said to Zacchaeus, that day salvation has come to your home. Now there are two responses to the gospel that I know of. One is like the rich young ruler. To be confronted with the truth and to go away hard-hearted and say, I'm not, I'm not going to hear it and I'm not going to believe it. And everyone who hears a gospel message like this makes a decision. I'm either going to believe what I hear from God, not from some preacher. You check it out for yourself and you see what God says. And then you allow God to work in your heart and you have a decision to make. Either I'm going to receive what I hear about myself and about God and about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. That he took my place on the cross. He died. He was buried. And he rose again the third day for my sins. For my sins. Zacchaeus didn't have any problem knowing he was a sinner. And we don't either. You ever told a lie? You ever stolen? I don't have to go any farther, do I? Not only that, we know in our hearts that we have sinful thoughts 
There's plenty of sin to convict us. We may not be like Zacchaeus or someone else that we know that we would say, that is a sinner, but we're all sinners. And when we realize that we're sinners, then we can receive the truth that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The rich young ruler went away sad because he couldn't give up his riches to receive Jesus. Zacchaeus repented, came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and his life was changed. Now I want you to bow with me this morning, just for a moment. Whether you're online, whether you're watching this years from now, I may not even be here any longer. Well, let me tell you something. And Whether you're in the room this morning, there are two responses to the gospel. One is to receive it gladly, joyfully. Even though Zacchaeus had to admit his sinfulness before God, when he did, he was joyful because he knew that he had been relieved of his guilt. He knew that he had been forgiven of his wrong. That's the joy that comes from salvation and from receiving Jesus as your Savior. Your sin is gone forever. Not only that, you have eternal life with God. That's his promise. So you have an opportunity this morning. Do you do what Zacchaeus did? Receive joyfully the message, even though it condemned his heart, and even though he had to admit, yes, I'm, I'm the one that Jesus died for. I'm the one that caused him to go to the cross. Or will you reject it? and Walk away and say, I'm not believing that message. Like the rich young ruler. Please don't do that. Why would you do that? Why would you walk away from the grace of God and refuse to believe what God has said about you and about himself and about his son, Jesus? Right where you are this morning with our heads bowed, you can do what Zacchaeus did. You can invite him into your heart. Zacchaeus invited him to his home. Actually, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' home. And Zacchaeus said, come on in. And Jesus will do that literally in our lives if we'll invite him in this morning. I believe you're who you say you are. I believe I'm who I say I am. Who you say I am, a sinner. And I receive you as my Savior. If you've never done that, you can do that today. You can do it right where you sit this morning. You can do it right where you sit as you're watching today. You can bow your head before God and pray this prayer in your heart. You don't have to say these words, but these concepts. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm just like Zacchaeus. My sin may be different, but I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. And I know that Jesus came to die for my sin to wash me clean, and to bring me into a relationship with you. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior today. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed if you prayed that. Tell someone today. Come and tell me. Tell someone else you know here. If you're online, contact us. Let us know that you prayed to receive Christ into your life. Father, uh, today... I just want to close this service, which is a solemn day in our lives as we remember just what this weekend is about. Thank you for the reminder. We don't like solemn things, and we don't like really to think about 
uh, people dying because really we hate war and we hate evil because you hate evil. We don't hate people, but we do hate evil. But Father, I'm thankful that you gave your son to overcome evil, the evil of sin. The root of every problem that we have in this world today is sin, the sin nature. We're all alike before you. We're undone like Zacchaeus. But we're thankful for the truth that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. That's us. That's all of us. And this morning, we come to you saying, I believe what you have said. And I trust Jesus as my only hope of heaven. Father, we pray this uh, for everyone under my voice this morning or in the future. But we pray it for those around the world that they could hear of him they could come to know him because we want to point others to Jesus. He's our only hope, but he's enough. And we thank you today for saving us from our sin. Father, as we go today, remind us of this passage. Don't let us forget it. There's someone who needs to make a decision today. I pray that they would do that. And Father, as we go through this weekend, again, help us to remember that there have been sacrifices for our freedom, but the ultimate sacrifice was given on the cross for our sins. And we thank you today that we can know the Savior that made it possible. We give you praise today for this good news, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.